Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 3, Episode 10. Today is Thursday, November 29th, 2018. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for This Week in Voice, for this episode, as well as through the end of the calendar year, is Cast Lingo. Cast Lingo is a special voice-oriented product that is created by our friends at Witlingo, which is based in the D.C. area. And Cast Lingo allows podcasters, content creators of any type, publishers, whatever you're doing with content, Cast Lingo allows you to create an Alexa skill, not only without not having to know any code, but in about the simplest way possible, simply using the Cast Lingo the Castlingo mobile app to upload snippets of audio that your users can then have access to and create a conversational experience for them. It's really neat. You need to check it out. Um, Dr. Ahmed Bouzid has been on the show multiple times and his company are behind this uh, as well as Amazon. You can learn more about Castlingo on the show notes or by going to www.witlingo.com slash Castlingo, C-A-S-T-L-I-N-G-O. We are very fortunate to have a really awesome guest on the show today, Ben Fox Rubin of CNET. Ben, say hello. Hey, how's it going? Thank you for joining us. So Ben, first of all, anybody who has three names, <laughs> they're just better than the rest of us with just two names. If you say so, yeah. I mean, it's actually been a bit of a curse because nobody really realizes whether Fox is my middle name or part of my last name. It is actually part of my middle. It is actually my middle name. And um, luckily, I started going by Ben Fox Rubin professionally because there's another Ben Rubin in tech, and he's the um, he's the CEO. He he created Meerkat, and he's also the guy that runs House Party now. So. And I did, yes, I did have a chance to interview him once, and it was pretty funny. Interesting, interesting. Well, we, we appreciate you joining us today. Ben, you are a senior reporter for CNET. Talk to us about your job with CNET and the types of things you cover. Share with us what you do. Yeah, so for the most part, my job description is, is that I cover e-commerce and payments, and I've been doing that job for the past three years. However, because Amazon has become even bigger and more important than it had been just three years ago. Most of what I do is really revolving around Amazon these days and all the ins and outs of its business. That includes its devices. It includes a lot about voice computing because they really helped pioneer that entire effort. I write a lot about HQ2 as well and you know a lot of different things related to e-commerce, whether it's Amazon or Walmart.com, eBay, Jet, a lot of those things. Well, we certainly appreciate you joining us today and uh, just appreciate the work you do in general. CNET is a site that we have linked to and talked about on the show many times. Y'all are on the forefront of so much that's going on in tech. Um, thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, that's just worth saying right off the top. Hey, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for reading. With that, let's get to the news. Story number one. Surprise from CNET and surprise from Ben Fox Rubin. Holiday shopping with your Amazon Echo makes you a trendsetter. 
this touches on a lot of things that we've talked about on this show over time. It's a fascinating article. If you have not read this, you need to hit pause, stop what you're doing and go read it. Fascinating sort of look into how the Alexa ecosystem is being used for e-commerce, some of the shortcomings uh, with it so far. We got the author of the article right here. Ben, tell us the process of putting this together and some of the things that you thought were most surprising from this. Share with us your perspective on your own story. Yeah, so I imagine you guys had probably spoken about a story that came out from the information a couple months ago that uh, claimed to have some... Uh, internal documents from Amazon that said that it was something like only one to two percent of uh, Alexa owners or Amazon Echo owners actually use it for shopping. Hopefully, I got that data right. And it, what what stood out about that was that the one to two percent was so much lower than a lot of the third party research that I had seen. That I was like, okay, I want to I want to give an opportunity here to actually look a little bit more deeply into this. In addition to that, a lot of what I've written about and a lot of what plenty of other reporters have written about when it relates to shopping with your voice, whether it's through the Echo or through your phone, has been broadly negative because it's still a very new medium and there's still a lot of bugs to work out. I'm sure we'll talk about some of that uh, later on in the show in a bit. But what I found most surprising in reporting this story was how much promise a lot of other folks, a lot of experts in the field, actually see in voice shopping and how it's really perceived as having this enormous potential of becoming a new major sales channel. And one of the coolest things that I heard about was from IBM talking about this idea that sometime in the not-too-distant future, I'm not going to put a time on it, uh, uh, somebody like or or something like Alexa or Apple Siri or Cortana could actually develop into uh, a smart enough AI that you would just be able to have a conversation with it and it would be smart and cogent enough and know enough about you to provide you as much information and walk you through the sales process the same way that a skilled and well-trained sales associate would. And granted, I know that's not happening now. I don't expect that to happen anytime soon. But I do see that as a future that a lot of people would be really excited about that would think would be really cool and would really open up the potential for voice in a lot of things, not just shopping. No doubt. <clears throat> and your article does a really nice job of framing the entire conversation around voice commerce to this point. Um, when you do talk to people who are in the field or you just simply do some just sort of observe what's going on. Um, you know, I, I can speak for myself and I've talked about this on the show before. I, my company runs a network called voice first FM and I host a show called this week in voice. And we produce something called the Alexa conference and we do all these different things. And yet I have never even once thought about buying something through Alexa not once. And the reason is we had Kathy Pearl of Google on the show when I was having this conversation with her. Um, I really started to think critically about why that is. And part of it is it's Amazon competing against itself. 
Amazon has years and years and years of um, iterating upon the web, you know, the, the web experience, uh, the experience of getting on your browser, getting on your mobile, and going and shopping online. Um, they know they've reduced friction every way they possibly could. Um, and it, in order to transact via voice, you're giving that up. You're giving up the years and years and years and years that Amazon's put into that process. And you are instead opting into a much, much more, uh, uh, less refined, um, less polished, uh, sort of process and um, but you're right. You're touching on. I, I don't think it's going to be that long, to be honest with you. I think maybe you know one to two years before we see the machine learning and AI that sort of sits underneath the voice um, assistance get to the point where it's not even a sales process. It's we freaking know you, and we know you're going to want to buy. Um, you know, you, you've bought paper towels every 8.2 days um, for the last two years. Don't tell me you don't want to buy that. You just, we know you need to buy it. So go ahead and do it right now. Yeah. So I would actually agree that I, I write a lot about uh, voice. I have uh, basically since I started covering Amazon and I've only completed a voice shopping purchase once. And it was on Prime Day last year. It was for seventh generation bulk paper towels. And the reason I purchased them was because they were doing a, like an Alexa-related uh, sale where I just knew this was the best possible price I could get regardless. And it was only through Alexa. And in other cases, uh, voice shopping is just kind of bad. It's not that good. And that's why a lot of people don't use it. One of my biggest problems with it is, is that there's no pricing history. So unless I absolutely know for a fact this is the best possible price that I'm going to get, why wouldn't I shop around? Shopping around on your mobile phone isn't great, but it's obviously better than on voice. Uh, one of the other issues, too, is, is that if you're shopping through an Echo, you're really only shopping on Amazon. Whereas if you're shopping on mobile or on desktop, you're at least giving yourself the option to do some comparative pricing. However, going back to my story, the interesting aspect here is the fact that a lot of people presented a lot of shopping-related behaviors, a lot of shopping habits uh, that really got me thinking about the potential of this, even though what's going on right now is actually not nearly as good as what you would get on desktop or on mobile. So a lot of people are, this is, this is a lot of Adobe information that I'm throwing out here. A lot of people do product search or research. They create shopping lists. They do price comparisons. So it's a lot of uh, in the beginning of the shopping experience that maybe you're at least starting to look into this. And the reason that Amazon is doing this, not only, at least from my perspective, not only do they think that this is a potential for the future, but it's also an opportunity to just keep the conversation going with customers. And if you are going to do some comparative shopping, you're going to do some product research, now you've got Amazon in the front of your mind for even more parts of your shopping journey. And that's why I think that they're going to keep developing this as a sales channel, but at the same time, there's, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, and for two people that are pretty immersed in the voice world, 
to not use voice shopping. I mean, to me, that at least, even though that is anecdotal, it's still telling from my perspective. The repeat buying appears to be the first frontier for voice commerce to conquer. The problem with repeat buying is that when you, um, you really start to think about what you're talking about. Okay. I, I, I have a consumable good, you know, paper towels, dog food, milk, um, prescription drugs, you know, what, whatever it is, that's a repeat purchase at the point at which most people realize they need to make a repeat purchase. They are out of that substance. They're out of that product. So, uh, and yet it's something they use on a regular basis. So you're talking about situations where there is little to zero margin for error for having the wrong thing sent to you. And somehow Amazon has got to, um, you know, Amazon obviously is in the unique position of coming from a retail background and being at the forefront of voice. They're the ones who are going to have to figure out how do we overcome um, or mitigate the risk of um, somebody thinking that they ordered the right thing, Amazon, reorder my prescription. And then they get the wrong thing. Amazon, reorder, um, you know, reorder my laundry detergent. And making sure that they get the right thing or if they don't, that the consumer knows that there's a stopgap to where they can feel safer about the process. That does not exist right now and it needs to. Yeah, I mean, you're actually hitting on what I think is an even broader issue when it comes to voice. And it's not just related to voice shopping. It's just how do you really understand in voice computing user intent and what what a user actually means to say when they say something? I remember I was in an event with Capital One and they have um they have an assistant, I think it's a digital assistant, like a chatbot. But they were talking about the idea that they had to teach the chatbot, I don't know, dozens of different ways to describe, check my balance, which you would think is really basic. But it's actually pretty fascinating and wild to think about all the different ways people say really basic things. So when you talk about it from a shopping perspective, now I'm plugging down my own money. Well, that's a really great opportunity for Amazon to screw things up and actually create some ill will with their customers if they're not fully understanding user intent. And that's why I think that they're currently moving somewhat slowly in voice shopping. They're not really trying to push it that hard. They obviously didn't during Black Friday, Cyber Monday, the same way that they had during some other uh, sales events like Prime Day, where they had these very specific promotions set aside for Alexa. But um, as I think they become more comfortable with being able to understand what it is that people want and all the different ways that people say something, maybe they will feel a little bit more confident to push voice shopping a lot more. And when they do that, uh, I think that there might be an increase in user adoption because Amazon is such a major retailer. Now, again, a lot of that is speculative, so it might not happen, but I, from what I'm seeing, it seems to me that Amazon is very intent on on pushing voice shopping, and they're 
they certainly don't seem like they're going to give it up anytime soon. They really want to try to create adoption uh, in this area because it's such an obvious uh, area for them to work on. They're, they're the biggest player in smart speakers and they're the world's biggest retailer. So they're probably looking at it as kind of like a no-brainer. No doubt. And I think the other thing they've got to figure out too, you just articulated that really well. I, I think the only thing I, w- I would add is just Amazon right now, I just read an article about this, about how Amazon is um, integrating advertising into their site in general. And this article was talking about and really lamenting and resenting uh, the advertising that took place in a wedding registry. So to make the story, it was a, it was a baby registry. Yeah, oh, a baby registry. I saw that. That was in the that was Rolf Winkler with the yes, free journal. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and just for people who haven't seen the article, basically what it describes is um, there's a baby registry uh, that's exactly what you think it would be, registered for products and people can buy them for you. Um, but wait, there's more. Amazon decided to very subtly, without any of the proper markings that it should have, insert products into the registry that appeared like it's what the mom or the couple registered for, but in fact, were not at all and just totally random advertised products that people with babies often want. (laughs) Yeah, this seems like a pretty dumb move for Amazon. I think that each one of those, uh, they got paid from from consumer packaged good companies about $500,000 a piece. That's just not worth it. This is a multi-billion dollar company to, to create that level of user distrust and user ill will, it, it's, it's how could you justify taking that kind of money? It's just not enough money from Amazon's perspective to do that kind of thing. But um, I think advertise, I keep waiting for advertising via voice assistance to really proliferate a lot more. And I think that Amazon is doing a really good job not doing outright advertising on voice assistance through Alexa. However, as I'm sure you know, there are a lot of things that I would describe as advertisements because they sure feel like advertisements to me, even though folks in the ad industry would quibble with my description of these ads. But for instance, there's like like a Michelob Ultra uh, Alexa skill where it goes, it it walks you through uh, uh, workout routines. Well, okay, that to me feels like an ad. That's an advertisement for Michelob Ultra. It's got Michelob Ultra right in the skill. And um, I understand that Michelob Ultra does try to uh, present itself as being more health conscious, but doing workout routines, I don't know. It it just, it it struck me as being a little bit off. Uh, So whether Amazon does push more into advertisement, advertising for Alexa, I keep waiting for it to happen. I know there's a lot of money to be made. There's a lot of potential there. I've spoken to a lot of advertisers about this, and uh, they're they're definitely very interested, and they're looking for opportunities to really push into that market because it's a new market, it's a hot market, it's a growing market, and um, there's probably a lot of targeted advertisement that they might be able to do with that. That being said, um, Amazon may convince a lot more people to either not buy an Echo or unplug their Echoes if they start getting inundated with ads. 
Well, and, and the whole essence of Amazon is on customer trust. I feel like their brand identity is built solidly on customer trust. And you're right. They've got to be real careful because it's not going to take too many stupid moves to, to really do damage to that reputation. Um, the Michelob Ultra thing you're talking about, I saw that. That was extremely bizarre. And there hasn't been that many of those. <laughs> it, it, it made me wonder how that didn't get caught or or what, because it, 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 the idea of Michelob Ultra doing something workout related is just absolutely utter nonsense. Yeah, I, I agree. And it does seem pretty ham handed. And it is basically like doing an advertisement without doing an advertisement. I remember talking to this one guy, I think he runs Alpine AI. And um, oh, yeah, yeah, he had, uh, he's, he's very much into the voice world. And he had the earliest from what I could tell, um, uh, advertisement ad- advertising network on Alexa was actually so early and so pioneering that Amazon more or less shut them down. And uh, he said that the money being made through that network was staggering. And maybe it was because it was the only one out on the market. That's probably part of it. But at the same time, there were a lot of major brands that were really interested in pushing into this area. So I do wonder how long Amazon is going to wait until they try to dip their toe a little bit more into this area. And if and when they do, we'll see how consumers react. It also goes back to the the shopping concept that we kind of started the conversation with in that if you have shopping-related advertisements, one of the ideas that could actually increase voice shopping is if they were actionable. So this was Ben Arnold from, I think, the CTA. I believe it was him that told me about this, is that if you had an actionable voice ad that said, hey, there's this new kind of cheese, would you like to buy it? And then you could just buy it via voice while you're listening to the radio or while you're in some other you know, skill doing something else. That is a possible way people could get more into voice shopping maybe maybe it's a terrible idea i don't know what you think about that one but no, I, I, thought like it, that. I thought it was creative i thought it was clever it's possible that people would be into that yeah well and the one i always think about you know since we do so much on the publishing uh, end of things somebody's listening to this podcast and they say hey it's been fox rubin guy i like this guy uh alexa tell me um, you know, and maybe then if you had a book that had just come out or something like that, and we were discussing it on the show, Alexa, Siri, Google Assistant, whatever it is you're listening to your podcast through whatever ecosystem. I was just listening to a podcast. I want you to download the book that they were just talking about on the podcast and download it to my Kindle, or I want the hardcover version delivered to me or whatever, Um, you know, having, um, I think there's such an opportunity. I I constantly think about um, just from a podcasting standpoint and a publishing standpoint, um, connecting the dots between um, and having the AI connect the dots for you between what we listen to on podcasts and voice commerce experiences. Yeah. There's a lot of what I would say, I would agree is low hanging fruit when it relies, when it, uh, in regard to that, and in addition to that, um, I, I, I just think it's it's pretty it's 
pretty obvious some of the stuff like why haven't they why haven't they done it already uh but i don't know we'll we'll see where where they end up going with this and um it, it could certainly be interesting yeah, no doubt. And I, I want to tie in our next two stories. And, you know, I wanted to spend more time discussing your story, but I want to touch on these other two. Voicebot.ai, story of the week, Voicebot.ai, giving voice to a revolution, fantastic news and information site. Ben, if you're not familiar with Voicebot.ai, check them out. Uh, I know them. I know them. Yeah, they're they're fantastic. Uh, Amazon Echo Dot, the best-selling item over the Black Friday weekend, followed by two more Alexa-enabled products. Wow, what a surprise that is. Story number three from Forbes, there was a number of AI-related announcements um, from Amazon at AWS reInvent. I want to sort of close the book on Amazon um, here. You know, we've talked about them quite a bit. But, Ben, I want to ask you, either from the VoiceBot story or from Forbes, with what was going on at reInvent, um, anything else stand out to you about the Amazon ecosystem that we have not discussed that's top of mind for you right now? You know what's really funny? A lot of the editors around here keep asking me about the Echo wall clock. They're like wondering when this thing is going to come out. This thing seemed like such a dud to me when it was first announced. I was at the event um, it, it, back in September and it seemed like such a silly concept that Amazon would come out with an Alexa-enabled analog wall clock. However, I think it's so goofy and different and unexpected that for whatever reason, a lot of people are still very interested in this. And I don't actually know when it's coming out. And it probably should have come out already because I don't know what's, what's so uh, um, complicated about this. But uh, I'm, I'm certainly curious to see what happens with that. Going back to the, the Echo Dot, they priced the new Echo Dot at uh, $24 for, or was it $25 for, for several days? And this was really an effort to try to get as many people as possible to buy these things, buy these, not the Google Home Mini. That's what the, both of these companies are really trying to vie for market share at this point. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope next time uh, we're talking, we're talking about the wall clock because I wonder if that thing is going to be a sleeper hit. I, I don't even know what to make of it. It's just such a uh, peculiar product and somewhat unexpected. It is. It, it, there's no doubt it is. Um, and you can file it in the same basket as the microwave. When I saw the discussion of the clock and, and I saw the microwave, I don't know what demographic box I fit in or whatever. I want those. I've got to have the microwave, got to have the clock. <laughs> we reviewed we reviewed the microwave and it actually got pretty good reviews. I, I don't know uh, um, how many people you have living at your house, if you have a family or anything like that, but apparently it's not good for families. So I have a family of five uh, and um, – we have like a built-in microwave that we got when we bought our house. And apparently this microwave is much more specific for like a dorm room or like a single person. But yeah, if you're, if you're interested in testing it out, I mean, hell, it's only $60. Uh, the wall clock, I, I probably will buy just because it's so weird. Uh, and it's only 30 bucks. And that's another thing that I think me and a lot of other uh, consumers appreciate about Amazon's devices is, is that they really do make an effort to price them as low as possible or price them like almost as loss leaders. And 
you know, that's a benefit to consumers. At the same time, it's a huge benefit to Amazon in that um, I think consumer intelligence research partners has a lot of data around if you're an Echo uh, owner, you're more likely to be a prime customer. If you're a prime customer, you're more likely to buy as much as like, like a ton of stuff on Amazon. So these are really ecosystem plays to try to just get you buying on Amazon as often as possible. And the more of the stuff you have, the more you're likely to be buying on Amazon. So uh, <laughs> I'd wonder what the research is on the wall clock. You know, like if you're, you're buying a lot more stuff, twice as much stuff, as a wall clock owner, as, as maybe somebody that doesn't have one. Yeah, I would love to see that as well. And to answer your question, yeah, I've got a family of three and my wife would no sooner have an Alexa enabled microwave in our kitchen than, you know, the Michelob Ultra should be doing an Alexa skill about weight loss. <laughs> or wait, wait, are you, t- are you telling me your wife doesn't like talking to Alexa? Because if that is the case, then, um, your wife and my wife have something in common. She, it's a love hate relationship. Um, you know, Alexa, for whatever reason, sometimes has trouble understanding the intent of what my wife and my son want her to do. Um, but, uh, you know, the elect- you're, you're right. The Alexa enabled microwave. I don't know what companies produce microwaves designed for the dorm room, but you might as well sell the stock now because uh, that's Amazon's territory now. Um, they are going to sell a gazillion of those. Um, well, that's what's, I think that's what was kind of terrifying to a lot of retailers. In, it's kind of sad to hear this from multiple retailers that they say, this is kind of unfair that uh, this platform takes all of our data, finds out what the most popular stuff is, and then comes out with their own competing product. However, it's such a big platform, we have to be on it. So you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot, basically handing your competition all this valuable data. And so that's why the microwave is, what is it, a 60-volt microwave? A lot of folks kind of quibbled with that and they said, oh, that sounds like a pretty, you know, that's that's not as powerful. But Amazon, I think, came back and said, this is actually one of the most popular uh, microwave types that we sell. And how do we know that? Obviously, we know that we're the world's biggest e-commerce company. So the, the, that is the danger for so many retailers when they do try to partner or work with Amazon's marketplace. And I do feel bad that I do think you're right. Anybody that is trying to compete with Amazon at that price point for a 60 volt microwave or what is it? Sorry, it's 700 watt. I don't know that much about microwaves. My mistake. Either way, it, it is, it, it does kind of feel like, you know, an unfair advantage sometimes. That being said, Amazon created the platform. And if you're going to live on the platform, you have to deal with the fact that Amazon's calling the shots on its own platform. That's kind of how it works. Well, and Amazon's not going to guess on use cases. I mean, they just lasered in on that use case. And same thing for the clock. Well, with the microwave, I'm going to buy it for my office and just have it in my office in my home um, because that's the only place where that really fits in. But it fits in well, you know, for something like that, and especially just to try the product as well, like I'd like to do. But the clock, I'm going to do the same thing. And um you know, you could make some conclusions. If you're buying a clock that's an Alexa-enabled clock, I would venture to say you've got some disposable income because that is a definition of a unnecessary product. 
<laughs> it's possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, I honestly thought the microwave was kind of goofy too. And you know, I have my own podcast. I'm going to plug it right now is the, it's the 359. It's a daily news podcast that we do on CNET. Uh, but one of our listeners after I kind of, I guess I kind of made fun of the microwave or what have you, uh, mentioned that the microwave actually has a lot of accessibility benefits. So let's say you're a blind user or you have mobility issues. Having a voice-enabled microwave means that you don't have to fumble with the buttons as much. You don't have to deal with it. You can do it via voice. This is another reason why I think voice computing is such a significant element of you know just computing in general, why it's really growing the way that it is, is because sometimes it has these hidden benefits that a lot of people, you know, some mainstream users might not think about off the bat, but somebody that may have accessibility needs, it, it benefits them as well. So um, to Great me, that's, that's, yeah, to me, that's kind of cool. And it also, it, it, this is not being marketed as an accessibility product. This is being marketed as something for everybody, but it also has these additional built-in benefits that are so clearly useful to a lot of people in the accessibility community. And just to put a final point on it, you're right, that's such a great point about accessibility, but to go back, um, and, and first of all, I wanted to mention the person who you were referring to earlier is Adam Marchick um, of Alpine, um, who now has moved on uh, to some other things. At least that, that's who, who I think you were referring to. And it is. I've spoken to him a few times. He's a very helpful resource. Yeah, he's a great, great guy. He's been a, a guest, uh, a Voice First FM guest uh, in the past. And um, just along the lines of what we've been discussing, you know, Amazon does scare companies like no other company can by encroaching in their territory. And it's a difference between Amazon and Google where Amazon will go in and just pillage and conquer and they'll acquire companies and they'll bring everything in house and just grow. And as opposed to Google, which, yeah, they do some of that, but Google has taken much more of a partnership approach, um, you know, partnering with, Disney and partnering with Walmart and, um, you know, as opposed to, as opposed to Amazon, you know, acquiring ring, um, and acquiring different things. So it's a, it's a little bit of a different approach you see between the two of them, um, that will be interesting to watch, but, uh, this is a great discussion. And obviously you are very much at the tip of the spear in terms of voice commerce with what you're doing and, uh, appreciate the article and, and glad to, to spend as much time of it on it uh, as we have here. Um, and if you have not read the article, uh, please do that. Um, it's a great piece. I want to move on to story number four. And this is worthy of some conversation as well. From Cornell University, a study uh, summarized pretty well from the headline, Smart Speakers Make Passive Listeners. So, this is a pretty interesting piece. And Ben, I want to get your thoughts on this. What stood out to you uh, the most? How did this strike you? So if I, from what I gathered from the story, it's is that uh, algorithms are, algorithmic recommendations are uh, driving people to end up listening to certain things that maybe they wouldn't have already and uh, that basically causes people to be more passive listeners. My immediate impression was that uh, these types of algorithms, these types of recommendation engines are something that has existed in all 
sorts of forms of technology. You know, one of them that I was thinking about was Google's autofill. There's also the app stores. That's a really obvious one where uh, I've spoken to um, uh, app developers and they say that if you can get in the front of uh, the app store, that's, that's basically like you're golden. This is, this is a huge opportunity and you're going to get a lot more downloads. From the perspective of voice, discovery is such a difficult and important issue when it comes to voice computing. So my impression was is that these recommendation engines are going to be even more critical or, or have an outsized uh, uh, influence when it, when it comes to uh, uh, when you're listening on Alexa or with your Google Assistant. Now, is that a bad thing? No, if you're getting a, a benefit out of it, if you're a consumer and it's recommending things that you like, then I guess what you should do is just say, that's great. The technology is working well for me. I can also see the other perspective, obviously, because I'm a reporter and I try to think of uh, multiple sides to things. Uh, maybe people don't like this type of situation and they feel like maybe these recommendations aren't uh, fairly giving all voices um, their, their just cause or their, their, their opportunity in the sun. I, I, I don't know. I'd be curious to hear your impressions as well. It's an interesting piece. A couple of things stand out. Number one, I think, is the, just the mere fact that Cornell University, a very reputable place, is doing a study like this. Boy, that says a lot about where voice is right now, doesn't it? Um. Only about a year to two years ago, you know, when we started Voice First FM and Alexa really started to come on strong, I'd say one in every two people I interacted with either flat out explicitly stated or implicitly communicated that this is just a fad, um, that voice is some ephemeral, you know, here today, gone tomorrow thing, and uh, maybe specific niche use cases, but not uh, not ubiquitous. This isn't going to revolutionize anything. Um, one thing I always mention, uh, Brian Romley is a friend of the show. We call him the voice first oracle around here. He will be speaking at the Alexa conference, by the way. Ben, if you don't know his work, I should introduce you. He's a, a phenomenal mind. I call him uh, the modern Thomas Edison Um and he's done a lot of work in voice uh, dating back a long time. And uh, the way he describes it is, um, you know, when we're born, we have all we have is our mother's voice and then we develop our inner voice. So it stands to reason that as computing evolves, it will evolve to be voice first. And no one said voice only. We just said voice first. And, um, you know, when I heard something like that, I immediately took it seriously, but not everybody did. And, you know, this article, it just strikes at how deadly serious voice is. It's here to stay. And we really have to be thinking critically about how voice is perceived by people of all different levels of education, walks of life, this, that and the other. Um, the other thing that comes to mind is, you know, I've seen articles from time to time, I'm sure you have too, about how, you know, we live in this so-called information age, and yet we're all sort of stupider, <laughs> you know? Um, we're, we're stupider because, you know, we, we 
get information and either we don't trust it or it's biased somehow. And there's this sort of shaking out going on, this redefinition of of news, which obviously you're at the forefront of. Um, And, you know, people figuring out for themselves what they can and can't trust. And in this era of AI, and we have voice assistants that understand us and they know our context and they know they know us in many ways better than we know ourselves. We're, we're rocketing toward that right now. Um, just how important it is for there to be some safeguards. I don't, I, I hesitate to say regulation, but maybe that is what we need, but certainly I don't care what it looks or shape is shape like, or what it feels like. We need some safeguards on what these companies are doing because all it takes is one little thing from them and it will alter uh, it has the potential to tremendously alter society and, and, and behavior. So that's how I look at it. Yeah, that's, that is a, a definitely a, a, a very broad way to, way to look at it. But, but, but yeah, it's, it, it also really uh, talks to the idea of uh, how much, how, how much power a lot of these tech companies have. And um, also going back to what you had said previously, just about, you know, the value of voice computing in general, you know, I, I, Generally, I, I would agree with you that because voice is so much more of a kind of a human thing, people have to learn how to type on a keyboard when they get older and they have to learn how to use a mouse. Obviously, uh, using a touchscreen, it's a little bit easier. I mean, hell, my three-year-olds know how to use a touchscreen and you know tap and zoom and all that other stuff pretty easily. I guess I shouldn't be giving them a smartphone in the first place. But uh, voice, it's much easier uh, for a lot of people to do. And I think think that it's a very interesting area for researchers to look into because it's such an interesting junction in humor, human computer interaction in that you're talking directly to a computer, the computer is spitting back information at you. And what exactly is what exactly does that interaction look like? Uh, I go back to the Alexa challenge where Amazon kind of invites uh, these these universities to create conversational bots. I don't know if you've ever attempted to do, uh, you've tried talking to these bots that these uh, really smart uh, masters and doctorate uh, uh, engineering students have developed, but I did one time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, they're not that good. I mean, like they're okay. Um, they're certainly a little bit better than maybe I would have expected, but, it, but at the same time, you, you get these loops sometimes in conversation. There's still a lot of work to be done to actually improve voice computing. And, uh, it's, it's with, with a lot of concern about voice computing kind of, or, or, or these companies becoming too powerful, I would, I would hesitate to say that voice computing has really reached the point of being, super smart and capable of, of really fully understanding what it is that people do and say, partly because the um, echo Alexa in my house tends to misunderstand basic commands, uh, not infrequently. And I have to repeat commands sometimes. So there's still a lot of work to be done in that regard, but I think those things will get ironed out over the years and it will be interesting to see where it ends up. Geez, like only two years from now. The other thing that's worth mentioning here is from time to time on this show. Uh, and I, every time I see a story like this, I, I love to include it. There's been 
numerous stories at this point about that I would categorize as Alexa answers this question in a way I don't like. So uh, there was a story, uh, I think it was last Christmas, about um, somebody, I think it was a guy in Nashville, actually, who led the charge on this. Uh, and we're based in Nashville, but uh, if it's the guy I'm thinking of, I'm, I'm familiar with him, but uh, asked Alexa, who is Jesus Christ? And Alexa gave an answer that he and, and a lot of you know Christians didn't like, and there was a big hoopla about that. I think somebody asked Alexa about Hillary Clinton and it gave some answer based on Wikipedia that really wasn't all that flattering and people didn't like that either. Um, and uh, when I say they didn't like it, I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, social media outrage uh, sort of stuff going on. Um, there's been several other examples um, of different popular cult- culture-ish sort of stuff. And, um, so I guess the, the takeaway is that, um, you know, somebody really smart has got to be thinking about what Alexa, how Alexa is going to respond to different questions. And of course, this is how it's gotten to be so popular so far that they've done such a good job with it. And same thing with Google assistant, how, what are the rules of the road? Uh, how are they going to respond? It's true for voice search, and, you know, how it recommends products. And in this case, the Cornell uh, research project they did, it involved podcasts, you know, how, how they recommend different things, but also how they respond to different queries of different types. It's, it's fascinating stuff. Um, and uh, it's, it's great to have a conversation with you about it. It, it, it fascinates me anyway. Yeah, I, I same here, absolutely, and I, I, I think ultimately um, these companies are already under the microscope for a variety of, of uh, elements. Google obviously is having a lot of trouble with their own employees over their own business decisions as it relates to uh, Alexa queries. That kind of those types of controversies or mini controversies or social media controversies, that kind of thing is only going to continue. And if Amazon or Google are uncomfortable with that reality, then they should probably get out of voice computing altogether because as, as these ecosystems develop, there's just going to be much more attention on how they respond and what they do in particular in thorny subject areas. So uh, I, would, I would imagine that Amazon and Google both have a lot of smart people working on this stuff, and hopefully they're smart enough to know how to, how to deal with thorny issues. It, it reminds me of a story I wrote about a year or two ago about how these voice assistants respond to people that say they're depressed or suicidal. And um, there, were, there was a totally different study about how they were really falling down in that regard and just telling people, like, somebody says that they're unhappy, and then there's this kind of glib response from one of the voice assistants that said, why don't you go take a walk outside? Well, that's not a very good thing to tell somebody um, if they're actually, you know, literally reaching out for help from, from a voice assistant. Yeah, and that came up at the Voice of Healthcare Summit, which is another event we put on, which was at Harvard Medical School. That exact thing came up, and um, it'll come up again at the Alexa conference, which has a healthcare component. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know that um, you want a lawsuit real quick. Uh, tell Alexa that you're suicidal, and then give it some garbage response, uh, and then have that person kill themselves. 
you know, um, <laughs> that's, yeah. uh, I, I mean, that sounds, it sounds really sad, but the, the, there is that potential. And I think if, if, from what I remember with that story, there is a huge opportunity for these voice assistants to actually really help people because sometimes folks feel more comfortable talking to Alexa or Google assistant or Cortana, because they know those are non-judgmental robot agents that, um, might respond in a much more just, you know, like here's, here's, here's the information clinically. This is, this is what you need to do. And I'm not going to judge you about it. And I know you're in a difficult place right now. Um, sometimes people actually would rather do that instead of talking to a person. So there is a, there is an opportunity to actually really help folks. Um, another element of this is also, and I've seen Amazon move toward this is, is that the ability to call nine one one through your echo, um, they, I, I don't know where they are specifically with the, with the smart speakers, but I know you can do that. I, I believe with the connect with the echo connect. So, um, those are areas in which you would actually be able to save lives with voice computing, with your smart speakers. So it, it really conveys the concept of these are not just toys. They're not just baubles. They're not just there for uh, dad jokes. Uh, there's a lot of really important human opportunities here to tackle with these things. No doubt. And another one worth mentioning, too, is um, isolation. Uh, you know, the, uh, loneliness uh, and depression arising from isolation and loneliness. It affects two different distinct groups of people, senior citizens and college students. And uh, interestingly, senior citizens is a more obvious one. You, you have senior citizens who are who live isolated lives and are, are happy, you know, whenever they come in contact with another human being that cares about them, makes their whole week. Um, interestingly, the same is true oftentimes for college students young in their career or young in their college career. Um, they often are isolated and depressed um, and lonely. And uh, there's already been very interesting uh, data about how uh, Echo uh, Alexa-enabled devices and voice assistants and smart speakers and IoT in general um, can uh, improve and ameliorate that condition. Um, so yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and well said about how these, this is far from a toy. This is a, uh, something that, um, can make a lot of people's existence on a day-to-day -day basis better than it would have been. Right. I, I think at this point in the conversation, it's probably necessary, necessary to say, okay, well, you know, this is all well and good and that's all true, but let's not overpromise what's actually possible. They're not miracle machines, obviously. And we're certainly not at the place where they would be able to actually ameliorate, uh, um, you know, or, or, or like hold a regular conversation with, let's say, a senior citizen in a retirement home or uh, a nursing home or what have you. Uh, but there is that there is that opportunity there. There is that potential there. And I do, from what I've heard from Amazon, it does seem to be a major reason why they created the Alexa challenge in the first place, because they see this the, the, the chance of having these conversational bots as providing real life uh, uh, benefits to people, not just a way to start a conversation while you're having dinner. So, Hey, now I can sell you more stuff on Amazon, which, which honestly, like that's, that's pretty cynical if that's, that's really the point. And I don't, I, I, I think that they have a much broader vision than something like that. 
Well, they know that's going to happen anyway. So that can be an indirect result. Um, and, and yeah, if they make it, if they try to make it a direct result, nothing good will happen. If they make it an indirect result, great things will happen. I completely agree. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Story number five, we always have to close, not always, but when we see an opportunity to close with, uh, with a WTF sort of story, uh, we take that opportunity. Japanese man marries video game hologram. Yeah, I mean, what the hell? Like, this is, this is kind of ridiculous. I mean, like, part of me would like to say, if this is what makes you happy, good for you. But um, how do you marry a hologram? I'm not really sure. I, I, don't, I don't really understand it. But after watching the movie Her by Spike Jones, I guess this is, this is the direction the world is going in. But I would probably, if I ever met this guy, I would say, you know, like human contact and a human marriage might be a little bit better for you. But who am I to say? Well, this blurs the line with, between, you know, the compassion and the empathetic approach of saying, you know, of, of trying to understand um, before judging and then saying, well, no, something might be wrong with you. Um, there's a line there and it's a blurred line and this story hits directly on it. But I, I, I included it also for another reason. Um and Ben, you may have seen data on this. Uh, the number of people who ask Alexa to marry it is shocking. Have you seen oh, that? Yes, yeah, yes. I've seen that, and I think most of it is just kind of silly jokes or people want to see what what Alexa is going to respond back. So that's one of Alexa's many, like, canned, like, ha-ha, like, here's, here's something funny that I'm, that I'm going to tell you. I, I think my my main quibble with this guy marrying a hologram uh, is that having like knowing where we are currently in artificial intelligence, there's just not all that much there. There, yeah. I mean, like you just like like conversational bots are still quite rudimentary. So uh, it's just I I don't think that you can have a long lasting relationship with an artificial bot or, or, you know, like an artificial intelligence and you probably won't for, for the foreseeable future. Uh, that's why the movie her was so interesting because this was, this was uh, kind of a not too distant future type of thing of uh, potential that might eventually happen, but we're really not there yet, which is kind of why I think this is more of a, you know, a stunt, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I just threw it in. Uh, just to, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because why not? And it was interesting too to to you dive in and you read that uh, somehow forty or fifty people attended this, but none of them were the person's family. And you wonder whether <laughs> oh no, <laughs> and you wonder whether that was a contributor to whatever the guy's problem is, or whether. Uh, you want there's a chicken and egg possibly thing going on there, but uh, it's not worth belaboring too much on. It's just uh, worth throwing in there. Um, ben, it's been great having you on the show. Uh, I appreciate you setting the time aside. Uh, we appreciate the work you do. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a really uh, fascinating conversation. I look forward to uh, uh, the next time we talk. Really appreciate it. For This Week in Voice, Season 3, Episode 10. Thank you for listening. 
And until next time.